Well, I'm Veronica I think about I am a junior graphic design major and art history minor here. Like, what is um, it that's I grew up in on a small, uh, in, in a small town, but on a big ranch in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, well, like my I said, I think accountability is a big uh, thing. My dad, my brother, and my um, grandpa run a thousand I plus head of cattle on seventeen thousand acres of land, all by horse. Practicing so, Catholic, and even um, that would that I grew up with. Like, you know, very consistent a lot of work ethic, ethic and, and I remember going to DKF social. There's all these people um, in this one room. And O'Gorman, and O'Gorman was so jealous because there was this O'Gorman even like farm. They all knew each other and they all had each other and they went to party miles together. Grocery store like I don't have that. I had a little prairie church. I had people that would try really hard to get something like that started. Seth Silverberg and I, uh, I had a lot of people grew up. I mean, really like, hard my face was a daily part of my life. It just didn't quite take uh, off in the way we really wanted it to. All together, uh, those really people were still really formative in my faith. And, and I, I say make because had I was five years old, and the last thing I, I wanted, wanted that really was spend 20 minutes got here, at the end of the day. And funnily enough, the person that I had met at Ruby's campus invited me to a bonfire. That's what it but started as. There was and something I that like, walked around. I saw I was like, like this is funky. Who, it was also you know, like COVID. Was so tough financially, it was time for me. Socially, um, I struggled a lot. And um, but one thing that I always remember, like it, it, all it took was one invitation, and then I and I got curious. That was infuriating sometimes when I want to have a boyfriend over or something, and I wasn't allowed to close the door and. They disagree on everything, but they would agree not, but I couldn't shut the door with my boyfriend and things like that. So that was awesome, but also infuriating, but I wanted it. I could sense that, like, you know, but she also this said I one thing no. was sure. She's like, you can say Everything no, else, like, this isn't the only way to evangelize. It isn't the only way to have your faith. And my parents would make, you know, there was a lot of freedom in that choice. There was no pressure, like I had experienced before. And, and I desire to give they, that to other people. It was integral to their life. Because I think that's what God I didn't really get it. And I went back and forth on whether we, I wanted to get it or not. Freedom of choice where the diocese we can give up camp. things. And that was um, a really good just you know, like little mustard seed priorities. We have um, choices It didn't every day. evolve into a lot um, growing up. You know, it was great for a couple of weeks, but it was still and like... We had this autonomy that's kind of that high school I wasn't really giving. They, you know, every year we'd do something different to try. I got to college, and I had never missed mass in my life. Maybe it was different for some other people, but for me, I I remember once would start and things like that. I was sick with the stomach flu with my little brother. When I and was around I mean, 13, puking, it was awful. I and my mom still drug us had to an incident where I and um, unfortunately, and that, that was like the only time I can remember anything else, other than weather. But that was like an exception. The priest would cancel. this seemed really inconsequential. Um, like it wasn't that big deal. First semester at school, it was, I was like seven in a row. Very abrupt to the story, like, but also very abrupt man, to my life. Like, where there were just a lot of things that really just and I was really questioning my faith and. By the time I was a lot of family members that were going through some really my life. honest and, and deep struggles I, with the faith, this developed really hard for like me to reconcile what I was experiencing here as good validation and what they were experiencing as poor from and anything and anyone like, around what's me. What's this discuss? And um, I still don't have that all the way figured I out. I'll be honest, really but I do know things that had happened in my past. It came to a point where I was just so depressed and so alone here, especially men. My only happiness was going on. And there's a whole backstory of I don't know why that's the case, but because you gave um, me a sign when I went first and you came into my life, I literally you're told there to go to school here, and, you and now it sucks. People. It's like the worst ever. I can sad and lonely, and I, never I don't have friends, and, and I really had to my shame and my guilt because you can imagine, and she was kind of my only friend. 
not feeling like there were resources and people something went south and we had um, kind of a fight especially in the situation that I was in which was a misunderstanding I not in real life three years later was a misunderstanding and reconciled but at the time I I went to there was adoration at Deacon and I I just felt this need to the one day and I've been crying all night and I was pissed and my my hair was yellow because I had gotten botched somewhere at this random salon it just felt like everything was crashing down and there are those girls that I went to buy with and Sunday. he was just awesome. And they were all sitting at the table. I was like, I have nothing to lose. I, I have no other friends. I dropped my backpacks. We sat there for 10 hours that day in the mud. Just I literally just sat there and talked. There was probably 10 of us just shoved into this booth in the mud. And we were eating tacos the whole day. It was awkward. We had a great time. There were like 14 year old guys around me that were like, I would venture to guess that that probably saved my life. Because anyways, he the next then later, when I was struggling again, they were the, the ones who got me on and one of the I just my small group came up to help. Said, they were the ones who told me, like, hey, these feelings of despair and helplessness, like, that's not normal. And I just felt like, and it's a constant only girl in the world go and seek help. And it, it seems like they were the ones who the boys and were like, to be honest with ticket and frank with it. Yeah, you're going to struggle with this, but we'll have to figure it out. And even though our group has kind of dispersed a little bit, we're girls. I wasn't even a woman at that point. I was just a young girl like they did our first semester. It's triggered. Last year, and the fathers, so when house, I, there were all these songs. You know, we prayed and prayed together, and we kept each other accountable. Not, they weren't years sure until they she like eventually. Um, I remember working at them on like you were the exact same spot that I was last year. But and actually, your probability of a better spot because you said yes to come and sharing the treat. And last year, I since then I realized there's a prudence in sharing, and there's a right and wrong way. I remember thinking I was like, yep. The, um, this is where right. you are here, living. I'm gonna plant my rock right here, you know, and upon this, right, like. I really saw this child happy desire to be alone to come my room closer, feeling like I was powerless against I've always he was happy to see that I always felt like a matron that no one else struggles with. I was the only person in the world that I was dirty and to protect me. Things like my to protect me purity were taken away from me, and that I I could never get that back. Something about sexual sin in the Catholic Church. And once I, again, whether this know, is not true, of course, but there is this stuff, stigma that, that, see that it's one. Like, it's the one sin you can just never get clean from. Protect them. Yeah. There's so always this, you know, because of especially when ultimately you lose your virginity, you know, never get it back. Me, and then at and, the end of all of that, we'll talk for um, two hours. And I'll even though I, you know, I had a, it wasn't until I had a boyfriend that I, you know, encountered that. I had an encounter. I'm glad you remember. You know, when I was young, that get it out. That's great, but. Um, Young, I mean, I was seven years old. Being able to provide them that direction. That was taken from me. Uh, so I kind of grew up thinking, I didn't even get to give it away. It's really been a positive change and in my life. Being I felt soiled. Is accountability. And, like, you, you know, like, like I say, I believe you the make decisions and people are looking you. up to you now. I believe no longer the I'm making decisions in a vacuum and that they don't affect anyone um, me. Once you now, when I, I'm leading that. a Bible study yeah. and I'm leading girls in discipleship, I, eventually, I have after to meeting some great people, with some missionaries that I'm very honest about. And if I'm embarrassed to say them in front of them, I'm finding, you know, I'm willing to say them in front of them. Not necessarily share this with every person who walked by, but I was able to leading them. They open my heart up too. Matt Fred, there's it a really good talk in last year that about upper class and come and go, and, and 
I kind of realized it was one of those like breakouts. I went through like three different phases of like, why did you bring me here? Why did you go? It was the one I wanted to go to, but I remember walking into the room. I was like, I was just they all know. Everyone knows, and it's awkward, and it sucks. And I sat down with my journal, and I'm taking notes about how to stay accountable with yourself. I was just thinking, like, man, this sucks, you know? Like, I, I, but once again, that shame. I was really struggling. I felt very that shame and that guilt. It felt like I couldn't even be in that room once again. Now I need to bring the label slapped on me, which was not true. Like, that's how the devil works. So And a week later, it was that Father Cowles would be. But he gave this great talk about how you. Family, it, this talk and the one from Monsignor James Shea really such a blessing. He's came together for me. But it was about how you view confession, how you view the Eucharist. And I've tied the two together. I'll say, you know, like, I guess, like, that, there could be no clearer sign than the priest who officiated my sister's wedding. You view the as this sad, sorrow, like, a week later being announced. It was Jesus dying on the cross. You are not then his resurrection. When he was announced that he was going to an entire battle of Guadalupe, I was like, and it really? is Jesus conquering. This reason, the reason I stayed, is now gone. And, and I, think I went to prayer, and my mom kind of looked at me, and she was like, you realize you got more signs than anyone else really gets. She's like, there are people who pray sorrowful then, and you drag your feet, and you don't want to know. she's like, how many more signs have we to give that way? He wants us to see confession that way, because it's hard to go. She's like, maybe you're someone else's But if you view confession as conquering, as a victory, so I come back to school, and it's a lot easier to say, you know, took advantage of me when I was vulnerable, and I had those reasons, but I begging God for a sign. There's this one verse. Um, so I have this whole renewal and my experience with confession. After it's Jesus has multiplied the loaves and the fishes, different. And, and he's healed the sick, I don't, he's I mean, cured the blind, the he's I think it's done all these things, and they're like, teacher, when are you going to give us a sign? Because it's like, how do you in my brain, I'm like, you just watched him multiply loaves and fishes. Like, what more does he have to do? And he kind of comes down on that. I can only imagine you know, like, are you kidding me? Then I think, and oh, validation. You know, like we just had a relic exhibit here. When honestly, I was all just saying, for this, I am asking social media, through, you know, like, you know my sexual sin, and amongst um, other things. But humility is a big you part know, of my family. And the only thing that would, is, ironically um, enough, is that and if uh, my dad were listening to this, uh, he would say those who young, vulnerable, and sorrowful man on and the cross. Every day that his arms out, out my dad texted me, thought of you this Sunday, <laughs> said, <laughs> need me. So, yeah. It's, you know, I found it's a lot a of... So, uh, um, why don't we close I found a lot of comfort in the words, this, uh, uh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and you will be with me in paradise. Because what was the difference between to do that, the thief on this cross and the thief on this cross? Yeah. What was the difference um, between them? The one was able to light the candle lit and said, I did something wrong. Yeah. Lord, um, me. And the other one said, okay, well, my, why don't you say, I, I had like little bits and pieces of the Holy Spirit um, here. And I, I found a lot of it. There was one night, this my freshman year, and I am a broken instrument. And me and my boyfriend had actually taken on a fast over like. Easter, ICU, like during the last uh, 40 days, I recognized that we had taken on a fast together, which was kind of big for him because he's not and Catholic Jesus, and Lent and things you know, like that. You know, it's just not something anyways. that he really observes in the same way that Catholics do. Once again, so it meant a lot to me that he said yes in that well. way. And it was like a little that, way that God was um, romancing my heart. You know, how you see a confession, you know, like, my boyfriend. As soon as I felt like me not going to confession was making at the end of the last days, I never felt, you know, like, I can't have him be happy. I can't have him be rejoicing because. 
I so remember being so touched. I feel like in sorry passion for when he's praying in the garden. I feel like I can't conquer this before sin. he is um, taken to. So you know, for me, it's sexual addiction. But for a lot of people, maybe it's any um, sort of addiction. Even is really he, tough. Jesus maybe Christ, even he says, um, "Father, like let this pass from my know, This is too much." Like, for know? a lot of people, I think. Um, the son of man, I age, alcohol like, is a trouble. This is too much, but if it's convince yourself isn't a problem, it. you know, but you still have to do it. Like, in, in almost like this child, there's like, a lot of sins like, that sit under the surface that Jesus doesn't need perfection, but he that does need honesty. Night, I always, ever since I accountability, he needs pliability. He wants over the hour when he's in the garden of Gethsemane. He wants to make us into greatness. But you can't, you can't be ready to change, ready to over the hour to grow if you can't recognize that there's I just prayed with those verses. And I journaled. Um, so that's I've never been a journaler before this, but which, which was hard to do. And I, just, I couldn't stop writing. I wrote like I didn't even know where to begin. And I couldn't say. And I had parents. Asked, I couldn't say. I asked to take away of no person. You know, the one person I told me, I said, you knew that I would be friend. here like two thousand years later. I just had. I had to tell her. Even though I called her, even though I'm just like your disciple too, but you know, follow. I need you to know that they don't stay up and pray. I'm very broken now. Like help me because little tiny bit of peace and that keep me accountable. That I'm not the only person did. here with you in this hour. Um, and um, funnily enough, anyway, so I asked to take that priest that gave me that great confession. And then I was like, one time, I got to stop journaling. I closed my journal and I'm like, I'm praying. Years ago, five, six years and I asked the Holy Spirit. I was really uh, excited. Last to year when I went to the Father's house, I believed in it. Confessions in the basement. I asked the Holy Spirit. I go down and I had been living once again in this shabby over and I went back to my ways. I go down and guess who was there? And. I that had same this amazing and we like locked eyes and I was like, oh, and I like, turned around. And I was like, How can I look at you and, and say that I'm still here? Six days later, I'm still here for like five seconds, telling you this and again and again. And there was and a because I was like, nope, nope, nope. Nope. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I know I said I would take this for you, but I don't want to do that. I need to go back. I was terrified. Wait, I remember thinking, how great was this? In the chair, and he kind of gives me a knowing glance. But even I swear he remembered. I was like, Father, I think, and I could, I could sense. I said my confession at the end. He said, God, peace. And I said, and Father, I think I've been here before. And he said, I remember you. Greater condition that is necessary. We had just a very brief, so beautiful conversation just about how, like, it does. I could come so mad that I had something that was so convicting to my life. As long as I left with acknowledgement, and all of this happened without, you know. Without the present or without the Eucharist being exposed, I wasn't in a chapel. I was in the quiet of my own room with no one around. There was no crazy bouncing music to make me experience a high and a low. Um, and so that's when I knew it was real. God knew how to present Himself in a way that would really uh, impact me because I had doubts about the things I had experienced at retreats with the you know, crazy bouncing music and everyone around me is having everything going on. So am I just mimicking them? I had doubts about what had happened to me there and in the silence of my bedroom at 11 o'clock at night after an hour of prayer was when he decided to reveal himself to me. And what I really wanted was a taste of that for my girls. And I wanted them to realize, you know, we want to do praise and worship night. Before this, can you uh, explain who your girls are? Yes. Just so that... Yep. Uh, um, I lead a Bible study that has anywhere from 20 to 13 fresh or sophomores on any given night. Um, some of them come from like cradle Catholic families, if you will. Some of them come from families that, you know, really haven't practiced their faith up until this point. So, um, you know, I have a wide range of people in my Bible study and 
me and my co-lead decided that we wanted to do a sort of praise and worship night, but, um, you know, we wanted to go all out, but honestly, in the end, it was almost more beautiful that certain things didn't work out. Uh, like the Eucharist wasn't exposed and I was bummed, but then I remembered, I was like, you know, God, it, it's not holding God back. Of course, you know, visiting the Blessed Sacrament and Eucharistic exposition is beautiful, don't get me wrong, but it was you know, like God still revealed himself and he was still there, you know, he was just in a gold box, you know, he was still there. Um, and I, I wanted to, you know, I don't know what any of them experienced that night, but I didn't want them to know that it is possible and that an hour of prayer for a lot of them is probably a lot. An hour of prayer, you know, maybe, maybe they're not even managing five, 10, 15 minutes a day. I know I wasn't probably. So I knew it would be intimidating to do an hour of prayer, but Think committing and telling God I will be here for an hour and sometimes it's in that last minute of prayer you know that God will reveal himself to you if you leave five minutes early you might miss it and anyways so that was just one thing we did but we lit candles so it was very homey and the candles twinkled all night it was just the most beautiful thing um yeah and there was just this intimacy in the dark and um you know, I think it was like raining that night or something, which is always great when it's raining in the chapel. It just sounds so beautiful on the roof and we had a good time. And I've had a lot of them come up and say like, oh, that was just like the best night of prayer I've had in a mm -hmm. long time. And I don't know what it is about a dark chapel with candles, but you know, being able to create an environment they associate with reverence and tradition and Jesus is, if that's what it takes, that's something I'm happy to do. Yeah. Uh, I think about the scripture passage, Lord, teach us to pray. Mm -hmm. You uh, you taught them to pray. Uh, and I think of uh, the circumstances of our diocesan planning and just the, the church in just general in a lot of places is, is, um, is beginning to look a little different and what resources we have available and yeah. who's able to do them. And uh, uh, I remember in seminary, I was in seminary 10 years ago, and... My, one of my professors was talking about the ages of the church, that the beginning was the apostolic age, and then you have the age of the fathers, which is the church fathers like St. Augustine and uh, uh, Irenaeus of Lyon, and you have just some, and then you have the age of um, the religious, I think it was, where you get like the, the Franciscans and the Dominicans and the Benedictines was the beginning of it. So you get St. Benedict and you get the monasteries, uh, and then you have the age of the secular priest, which is just your typical diocesan priest. Uh, or there was the age of the bishops, the age of the priest. And he said, you know, we're in the age of the laity. And um, the Holy Father at the time, St. John Paul II, had uh, called for this new evangelization that everyone is called. The Second Vatican Council is reminding everyone is called by dignity of their baptism to bring this good news to whoever it is that they meet. Um, and he just reminded us, he's like, uh, you do understand that I'm a lay married man and I'm teaching <laughs> men that will be priests. This would have never happened before, you know, yeah. or in the age of the laity, half the faculty of a seminary, uh, are not priests. Um, and so I just think about that now where we're at and the bishop is really desirous that our parishes recognize the dignity. Everybody recognize the dignity they have to bring this good news to another. Yeah. Uh, but you can't bring something you don't have, number yeah. one. And so this is the dynamic. But then also just to see, like, my great desire as the chaplain is that all of these young people might know him. 
Um, and I'm just amazed to see like, oh, and I'm not the one, you know, so here I am teaching RCIA today, tonight, uh, to these nine students that are making this journey. And yet there's a room that's like applauding and all this going on of all of you guys giving testimony. Yeah. Like the, the place where the most life and the most outpouring of the Holy Spirit is, isn't the room the priest is in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the room where there are these you know, it's like this uh, upper room. It's this place, this oasis of people who are like, hey, he's reached me this way. Yeah. Um, and so I just am really grateful for the witness that you have been and really what you are, Veronica, for um, these young girls. Like, um, And people will say, uh, you know, oh, the Newman Center or whatever, or in the future, but they'll say you. I mean, it's you. It's, it's in relationship with a person that a structure is given meaning. It's relationship with, a life that a building needs to be lived in. Um, and and uh, this is the gift of the church. There is a beautiful structure. The church is a structure that we have such gratitude that we have this ship we can sail on seas, whether it's calm or stormy. Um, but if you don't have meaningful relationship within that ship, yeah. it's like, get me uh, overboard. Yeah, I like what you said about like the life here as well as I think like my freshman year with COVID and stuff, I didn't really necessarily get that. Um, it was just like a really tumultuous time, both politically, but also socially. It was just like, you know, there was a lot of pressure uh, for Christians and Catholics about where do you stand? What do you believe? Why do you believe it? And I think everyone was asked to have an opinion. And so when I got here, I was kind of like confused and not understanding what I believed. And I wasn't sure if I had a place. And it was people who just kept inviting me back and saying like, you know, this is just a tough time. It's just a rough spot. And when I did experience that life here, when I did have Bible studies that went half an hour long, you know, because we just couldn't stop talking to each other. We were just so excited to share ourselves with one another. You know, every single one of the girls in my Bible study said, without fail, you know, I didn't really have Catholic friends growing up. And I remember always hearing, you know, you'll find your real friends in college. And I was like, sure. And then I got here and I had no friends. And I was like, yeah, baloney. I go to school in the art building. And these people like are crazy, some of them, I think. <laughs> My first day at art school, I walked into a new drawing class on accident because I was half an hour early to my class. I opened the door and there is a naked person. And I was like, <laughs> like close the door. And I just like, it was a total culture shock that I was not prepared for. And I can all, I, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be at the University of South Dakota without the Newman anymore. I would have transferred back to Mitchell or something because my boyfriend and my mom are there. It's two hours closer to my other family. I would have went back to Mitchell, I guarantee it. But there was, it's honestly this place that kept me here. It wasn't, I have great professors, you know, but I see them three hours in the week, maybe, you mm -hmm. know, but it's, being able, last night I was here till two o'clock in the morning and there are nights that I, I remember days when I was here till two and three o'clock in the morning with Father Cowles and we just talked and talked and talked and finally you'd look at his phone and you'd be like, I'm sorry, but I have to go. And you know, that's just something I've never experienced before was this like, you said it, it's life. It really is. You know, before I felt like I was living, but it, it wasn't like a vicarious thrilling you know, it was a very like quiet and routine and just boring and mundane living. Mm. Um, and you know, like it's not perfect. I don't want to oversell it and be like, yeah, it's awesome all the time. You know, there's tough times, but, um, 
God asks us to go through those tough times and unite our sacrifices with Christ on the cross and it will never be perfect, you know, and that's something that I've had to accept because the good times definitely outweigh the bad and so that's why instead of asking for a sign to stay anymore, I just say you gave me the sign and I need to put up with the good time or put up with the bad times in order to enjoy the good and my nephew is coming to school here and probably coming to school here next year. And he was just here for his tour yesterday and we were driving around and his family doesn't practice Catholicism anymore, but we drove by the Newman and I said, you know, I was like, everyone comes. I was like, we've got people, you know, I was talking about how we have the international students that just play ping pong for hours. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, you don't, I mean, you don't have to be expected to fit a certain identity or, you know, that's what this place is. I was like, it's a place close to campus with a big TV and a library and lots of little rooms and hidey holes if you need to study outside of the campus. And I was like, a lot of people find a home here mm. no matter what. So um, it was kind of interesting to be able to say that to him of all people because mm. he is someone who I think just like is not necessarily struggling with his faith, but is in that teenager age where he's unsure of what he believes. And Social media doesn't help, and mm -hmm. it's confusing. It's an overload. So, you know, and he's just one of a thousand students that are going to be funneling in next year. And, like, how can we reach them yeah. and be able to, like, open the doors to them? Well, I am pretty sure you'll be here, and I'm pretty sure those 20 girls uh, yep. and everybody else that helps <laughs> make this place a place of life. Um, I just changed my little bio on my social media. I can't quite remember it, but it's something like uh, life is worth living, but only worth living if Jesus is there yeah. or something like that. You know, And yeah. it's really uh, the beautiful thing where at the heart of it, we know his heart. And because of that, it creates spaces yeah. further out where others that maybe don't know his heart begin to experience a beating of their life in a way or a beating of their own heart the rhythm of their life that they say this makes me more alive just to be here yeah. and they might not know the flame of the center yet yeah but that's for god to draw them little by little sign by sign people yep. by people yep um but uh what a gift it is that the signs were given yeah and what a gift it is that we came to a place where we could just say okay now i'll just give away now i'll just Yep. you know outpouring yeah well. and I will receive now from what I give um, but I think it's important you know those those big graces do something important to us and they help us get to that place to say oh okay and then there's a certain point that he's like okay I went to Calvary <laughs> so like like uh, buck up yeah yeah <laughs> buck up so well, very good, Veronica. Thanks so much. Should we say Thank a you. prayer? What yeah. uh, do you have a particular prayer you prefer? I, just... I like the Saint Michael prayer. Great. Our Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate the invitation to be here. Yeah, you're welcome. Really, thank you for... I mean, it's really... Uh...